a beautiful day at the homestead. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Tower, the Omni Homestead Resort's original podcast series. I'm your host, Jesse Bruton. Today, we're speaking to Kyle Fellner, Director of Food and Beverage for the Homestead, and Todd Owen, the resort's executive chef. Kyle and Todd, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Why don't you tell us a little about yourselves? I've been with the Omni for 10 years. Recently came from Chicago and before that, San Antonio. Great to be down here at the homestead, and we're excited for a lot of our future culinary and beverage options that are coming right around the corner. With culinary being a passion, you know, this is a great place to be. I've been cooking for just over 20 years all over the East Coast. And, you know, I want to say we're definitely here at home in the mountains, uh, enjoying the Allegheny cuisine that we have. And, you know, this is uh, an awesome property to be able to be the chef at. So how did you first get interested in enjoying and collecting bourbon? I started off with really not liking bourbon. I remember when I used to take the high-end bourbons that we have now, and I used to use them as mixers because I was just kind of oblivious to the awesomeness of it. I used to be more of a wine drinker, but what I found out with wine is that once you open a bottle, you kind of have to drink that bottle. I kind of matured with the palate and really started to pick up bourbon and collecting the bourbon that I have just like wine does, every bourbon, every bottle is different. It reaches different moods. It has different flavors throughout. I mean, it's so complex in its own simple ways. It just kind of, you know, captured my creativity behind it. And I want to convey the impressiveness of your collection. You have more than just a couple of bottles on your shelf. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say I have a couple of bottles. Uh, uh, Last night's count was 146 different bourbon riser whiskeys on my bar at home. Uh, Like Chef Todd, I actually enjoyed wine as well. Had a few favorite bourbons I collected on various ski trips across the country. And then once I got down here at Homestead, I make my first visit over to Chef Todd's house and see this spectacular display of bourbon. And just looking at all the different varieties and labels and picking those couple bottles to to crack open and try really got me involved in Uh, Now we're the exciting bourbon duo here at the homestead uh, as we evolve our collection here. What's your favorite thing about bourbon versus other spirits? Yeah, my favorite thing about bourbon versus other spirits is the different complexities of each bottle and the different varieties you're going to get. Very similar to tasting wine. It's just different notes and different attributes to each bottle, and everyone's going to have their own interpretation of it. I've definitely found that bourbon sets itself apart from other spirits out there. I enjoy vodka, I enjoy gin, um, cognacs out there, but bourbon just seems to have this sense of warmth to it that I really enjoy. You know, being a chef, I, I like to cook and to feed people. Now I get to feed them and give them something to drink and something to share. And it's really just to be able to explore different flavors and see what different people like. There have been multiple people and friends that come over to my house that, and they're like, ah, I don't drink it. I stay away from the brown juice. I don't want that. That's not for me. And then I just kind of ask them some questions. Well, do you like heat? Do you not like heat? Do you like smooth? Do you, you know, like try to understand what they like to eat and drink individually. Nine times out of 10, I can find something on my bar that they enjoy. And right then this switches. Everybody that has switched to really enjoying bourbons will remember their first bourbon. I know I remember mine. And, you know, once it starts, it just, it's one of those ever-growing things. What was your first bourbon? 
a really hard one I can't find. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first bourbon. And so I remember working at a smaller restaurant where we were able to have those, we call them after shift drinks. And I would go out to the bar and there was this bottle and I picked it up and I read the label and it was William LaRue Weller, 19 years. So I said, okay, I'm 22 years old, 23 years old, pour a sip of that. I was like, holy cow, this is incredible. Now that I know what the bottle is, I can't find them. I don't want to pay the price for them. It's like one of those unicorn bourbons that you can't find. It's if you want it, you got 1600 bucks, you can go find one. And that's what I was drinking as that after shift drink at my restaurant. So right then, that was about 13 years ago is when I, it really turned around for me. I was like, okay, I can start to like this stuff. So speaking of first, I love to hear both of your first impressions of the homestead when you first visited this amazing property. Yeah, arriving at the homestead is just a magical experience when you first come in down that drive and you see the tower and this iconic landscape and building here is truly something magnificent. And then once you arrive and you have the great hall and you see all the classic uh, architecture and that amazing lobby bar just behind the great hall area uh, really sets a special tone for you. Before you even get to the homestead, we're nestled in the middle of the mountains. And usually when you're driving here, you're thinking, where am I? How come there's nothing around here? How am I in the middle of nowhere going to the Omni homestead? And then all of a sudden, when you're driving down that drive and you see the tower in front of you, you see this massive, glorious building. It's just kind of like seeing that kind of diamond in the rough kind of thing. And it just has this grandness that really just kind of overwhelms you and knowing that you're at a historical property like that, you don't expect to see something like we have, something as special as we have in the area that we are, knowing that there's really nothing around us. But I think that also adds to the difference that we have and how special it is. It just pops in front of you when you least expect it and it's just there. So yeah, seeing the homestead for the first time is definitely breathtaking. So I understand that the homestead has partnered with a local distiller, Smooth Ambler, on a couple projects. Can you talk a little bit about the property's partnership with them? We are excited to partner with Smooth Ambler. Uh, We had the opportunity to take our team out to their distillery, which is a short hour away. And we took our culinary lead bartenders and some of our uh, F&B leadership team out there. And we got to pick our own barrel. Uh, We got a selection of four different barrels that we were able to tap into and really sit down and taste the differences uh, on some blind tastings before we were able to narrow it down and decide what we want to bottle and serve to our guests here at the homestead. To be able to drill into the barrel and take that awesomeness out of it and be able to kind of taste it, it, it's, it's an experience that a lot of people don't really get to enjoy. But to have the differences between that and then to see, I believe there's 10 of us, 10, 11 of us, that were there to be able to taste. And it was cool to see that we all kind of came together at the end. Well, almost all of us together. I think I was the one-off person. But we all kind of came together at the end and said, you know what, this barrel was really good. And they were all really different. And they had different, they had a different nose. They had a different palate. They had a different mouthfeel to them for each one. But to be able to taste them and find the one that we know that is well-rounded, it's going to fit what we're looking for to match our bourbon bar, and to add to the homestead as as kind of our bourbon repertoire, 
it was a great experience for us to have. Can you share some of those tasting notes? What's the bourbon going to taste like? Bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Chef can describe. He was the first one to drill into the barrel. And as he drilled in, he got sprayed by the, the bourbon as it came out. And it's been aging since, what, 2013? Yeah, 2013 is when they put them in the barrels. And it's fun. You know, this is the first time for me to be able to drill into a barrel like that. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm drilling into it. It goes through. The, the lid is about an inch thick. And then you, you pull out the drill bit and you have to cover the hole really quickly. Well, next thing you know, I have bourbon in my hair. It's in my eyes. It's on my arms. It's on my hands. I'm tasting the stuff on my hands. Did you get a sneak peek? It's everywhere. And, of course, their nerves are there because everybody's watching. You want to do it right. But it really was a cool experience. You know, for the bourbon that we tasted, I like to describe the the mouthfeel as almost kind of creamy, like a creamy texture. It has a little bit like a medium mouthfeel, but it also has a long lasting finish to it as well. It's not something that's clean. It just kind of dissipates away. It definitely sticks with you. You know, for the notes in the palate, we were seeing that if I recall right, I don't have it in my, I don't have my tasting notes in front of me, but there was definitely some of that orange peel in there, some toasted oak, uh, obviously caramel, which is with a lot of bourbons that we have and a little bit on the sweet side. So it's a good, well-rounded bourbon that will be able to make an awesome old fashioned with or Manhattan, or just kind of drink it straight, neat or on the rocks. And it's one of those easily approachable. And I think that's what we're really kind of pushing for is to find a way to help educate some of our guests to to start accepting bourbon like I did. Because not everybody has a chance to have a $1,600 bottle be their first bottle. We'll, we'll be honest about that. But to kind of educate the people and give them the chance to taste something that's really good and really one-off that they won't get anywhere else, it just makes it a little bit more special. So you had the opportunity to drill the barrel and you said that the bourbon had been barreled several years ago. Can you kind of walk us through the whole distilling process from beginning to end? Yeah, the distilling process is, it's kind of elaborate. You know, it starts with fermenting your your mash bill and the mash bill is always made up of, you know, your corn, your rye, your wheat, or your, your malted barley. And from there they ferment it and they they distill it. They get their grain alcohol off of there. And then it goes into the barrels. What's really important about the barrels is the aging of the process has to be, it's not really precise, but it's its really in-depth to how they store it. And the seasons make a very large difference in how bourbon is made. You wouldn't think that, but once the barrel is sitting inside of these massive barns, like barrels upon barrels upon barrels, it, it's amazing how many thousands of barrels you can see in one little location. But each barrel that goes in there, goes through the seasons. And I talk about the seasons because it's important. Think about a lung for a barrel. It breathes in and it breathes out, breathes in and it breathes out, right? So during the cold season, it's contracting. That wood is contracting and it's pushing all of that liquid back into the barrel and it warms up, it soaks it back up and it goes in and out, in and out. And that helps with a lot with the uh, transferring of the flavors from the barrel and the grade char that they have into the product that they have inside of the barrel. So for a long time, I was under the perception that bourbon was sort of like champagne. It was geographically based as what defined a bourbon versus a whiskey. I've since learned that's not correct. Can you give us a little bit of information about what really defines bourbon? 
You're absolutely right. A bourbon can be a whiskey, but a whiskey cannot be a bourbon. To be a bourbon, there are five criteria. One, it must be produced in the United States. Two, it has to be comprised of at least 51% corn in its mash bill. Three, it needs to be distilled at 160 proof or lower. So that's when it's coming off of the distill itself, and that's where the, the liquid is clear. So it has to be 160 proof or lower. It has to be aged for no less than two years in white American oak that has been freshly toasted or charred. It cannot go into that barrel higher than 125 proof. And then it has to be bottled at a minimum of 80 proof. Those are the five requirements for bourbon. When it comes to whiskey, whiskey can have close to those, all five of them. But whiskey can be done in, say, a port barrel or a cabernet barrel or a stout barrel. They're finished in some a barrel that's different than the white American oak. They could be produced somewhere outside of the United States or their bottling or distilling process could have a different proof as well. So to be that bourbon, it's really about your mash bill, 51% corn, made in the USA, freshly charred American oak, and then it's proofing points as well when it goes into the barrel and comes out of the barrel and then into the bottle. If any of those kind of differ from those points, then you have whiskey. So earlier you mentioned that Smooth Ambler is about an hour away by car. If someone's interested, do they offer distillery tours or have a room where they can do tastings? Absolutely. They, they welcome public to come and tour the distillery and they have a great tasting room, a great retail shop, and you can even see where all of these barrels are stored and aged. So when it comes to spirits like bourbon, how do you decide which are the ones that go into a mixed drink, like a great old fashioned versus which are the ones that you just want to drink pure with maybe a few rocks or maybe neat? When it comes to mixing with really good bourbons, I think it's important to know that you're not mixing to take away from the flavor, but you're mixing to enhance the flavor. There are some really good bourbons uh, for example, one of my all-time favorites is called Noah's Mill. It is extremely complex. It's very oaky. It's a little on the dry side. It's proofed at 114.3 proof. It's a hot bourbon. One of my favorites. I will drink it neat. I will drink it on the rocks. But when you take that and you enhance it for a Manhattan with a dry and sweet vermouth, a couple of dashes of bitter, maybe a twist of orange, that just adds to the elements of the flavor, the profile, the finish. It changes the bourbon and makes it an even better bourbon. So it's not, we all have mixers, right? I have bourbons on my bar that are mixers. Those are the ones that they're just okay. And I mix that with like a, a ginger beer or anything like that. But when you're making really good cocktails, that's the way I approach it. And I've most recently moved to more of a heavy rye for my Manhattans at home just because I know that it enhances the flavor versus cover up the flavor. So we have in front of us some smooth ambler contradiction. Would you mind doing the honors and uncorking it so we can have a little sample? I mean, I guess if I have to, I mean. All right. So in addition to this, which is just delightful, I strongly recommend, I understand you have a pretty respectable bourbon collection at the Lobby Bar. Can you talk about that? The Lobby Bar is becoming a respectable bourbon bar. We want to focus on 
higher end spirits that kind of help educate our guests and open their minds to some things that they might not have the privilege to purchase on their own. Some of those include just recently we got a Blanton straight from the barrel, which is a very hard bourbon for us to find. We have a selection of old elk on there from a five-year cash strength bourbon to their straight bourbon as well. What else are some really good bourbons we got, Kyle? Well, we're certainly excited for our custom smooth ambler. Uh, we're expecting to get around 160 bottles from our tapped barrel, and it's going to be bottled at cask strength. So we're excited to see what that proof comes out to here. Regardless, there's a there's a good selection that we have, and you'll find some items that are on there that, like I said, you can't find in every state because I know there's a lot of state regulation when it comes to bourbon. But I'm doing my due diligence, working with the ladies downtown at our local ABC store and getting the ones that are more allocated bottles are hard to find and getting them on the shelves because we want people to be able to enjoy, taste, try. Sometimes you'll find me out there tasting with you. It really is a good time for us to connect and kind of educate ourselves. So, of course, when we're drinking and enjoying some lovely spirits, beverages just call for food. What are your favorite things to pair with your favorite bourbons? When drinking bourbons, it's important to add to the profile. I like to say, don't complicate your flavors. Something as simple as a beef short rib is going to go really good with a strong bourbon. It's flavors that oakiness is going to go good with, with the beef that you have, or even if you're having like our smoked ribs that we do or pulled pork that we have, those heavier items are going to pair really well with bourbon. Also dessert wise, if you want to go with your darker flavors, your chocolate, your cherry, your vanilla, anything with caramel, those are automatic items that you should have with bourbon. Those are flavor notes and items that you taste in your bourbon. So having that complement each other is just going to help you out. So typically for our guests, I'd like to ask if someone had only a single day to spend here at the homestead, what's one thing that you would insist they can't miss? But because we're talking bourbon, what is one thing that you would say you absolutely have to have this cocktail or this menu item? I would say here at the homestead, you have to experience the outdoors and going down to the fire pit, having s'mores and having a nice Smoked old fashioned is the perfect way to end the day here at the homestead. I'm going to add to that. That Manhattan with the sweetness of a marshmallow, graham cracker, and chocolate next to that fire pit really is going to be good. So if you're here, visit the lobby bar, drink some good drinks, ask for either of us, we'll come join you. But, you know, this is a special place to be able to have some fun. And what's your insider's scoop? What's your favorite secret about the homestead? Something that typically people learn once they experience it firsthand, but before they arrive would have no reason to really know. It has a uniqueness that our guests don't understand, that they see what we have when they get here. And as I was talking previously, it's not a transactional place like most hotels are. This is a place where people come and they... They experience it for themselves. They have the creaking floors. They have, you know, the warmness of a grandmother's house. I, I don't know. This is an exceptional place. And you don't, you don't really realize that until you're here. I've visited now, I think, four times, and I've stayed in four completely different rooms, which I think is very cool that, you know, you stay at a lot of 
chain hotels and you kind of ask yourself, what city am I in? Where Where's my room? Because it's all just kind of cookie cutter. And this is no two stays are alike. Yeah, that's exactly it. Every room is different. The decor is different. You walk through the halls, you see pictures of what the place used to be. The hotel when it was just the main hotel and the main lobby used to be the front porch where the rocking chairs were. And then you look around where you are and you see like, well, I'm in that place right now. That it just it changes your mind about everything. It's pretty cool. What do you love about the hotel, Kyle? I think one of the great things is here when you come into the lobby bar, we have a great group of associates. We were partnering with uh, local vendors and would become friends to us. And with Smooth Ambler, come in, try our bourbon, and then talk to our associates, our bartenders. They'll tell you at the lobby bar, there's a secret hidden door over there. It'll be great to talk to them and they'll, they'll point that out for you. Well, that's all the time that we have for now. Kyle, Todd, thank you so much for being our guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. And cheers. Cheers. Thanks for enjoying a pour with us. Learn more about Hidden Treasures at the Homestead by listening to our entire podcast series available at theomnihomestead.com slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and many other podcast apps, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For exclusive offers on the Omni Homestead and other Omni hotels and resorts, sign up for Select Guest. The program rewards members with a simple way to earn free nights and access to exclusive offers. Plus, returning members enjoy perks like complimentary daily beverage and more. Beyond the Tower is a production of the Omni Homestead Resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. The title music, Welcome to My Homestead, is written and performed by David Hill. Our executive producer is Lynn Swan, our producer is John Kendall Royston, and your host is me, Jesse Bruton. Many thanks to all of our talented guests. For information about how to book your next stay, visit theomnihomestead.com. Thank you.